All right, welcome back to the Since I Was Broke podcast yep. or the new Brooks Clark podcast. We're that's right. I'm glad unsure. to be here. Get a little closer to it. How's that? Much better. All right, awesome. Yeah, cool. we had a good arm day. That was good. I enjoyed it. My arms are just cooling off. Yeah, Brooks hit me up last minute. We got Phil and uh, Matt are out of town. Haley and Tim had a workout, and then Brooks hits me up. He's like, I need arms. Everything aligned perfectly. Yeah, I was like, say less. I'm, I'm there. Yep. And uh, we got it done. I like it with the light we were talking about. Like, a lot of times we train with the lights on in the morning, mm-hmm. and it's, th- it's not that the lights are bad. They're kind of like, they're pretty white, but, like, they kind of have that school PE class feel where you just feel kind of like in a commercial gym almost. And I feel like you turn the lights off, and you, for me, I get a lot more focused, like, when the lights are mm-hmm. off. And I think I was telling you, it was like I, maybe I have like some photosensitivity or something, but it's like when the lights are off, I just feel so much more focused. I look more aesthetic with the with a natural light. So I don't know. I just, I like with the lights off. Yeah, absolutely. And that goes, I mean, just good lighting in general and like liking the way you look when you're training plays a huge role. Yeah. Because you'll notice like when people kind of, maybe their composition's not as good, like going to the gym is not as exciting. Because when you look at yourself in the mirror, if you're not super excited about the way you look, of course you're never satisfied, but it is nice to look in the mirror and be like, oh yeah, I look good right now. Yeah, it's, I mean, there's no doubt that anyone that lifts weights that has been doing it for an extended period of time and trains mm-hmm. likes to achieve a pump. Like there's nothing worse than going to the gym day after day or week after week and like feeling like you're flat, can't get a pump, you know. It's just like a, it's like a, uh, it's like a frustrating feeling, um, which usually correlates to, you know, how you're eating and probably your leanness and other aspects. But Mm -hmm. yeah, all that to say, it was a good, it was a good arm session. I'm sure I'm going to be feeling that tomorrow. Oh, absolutely. And the first topic I wanted to go over was maybe just training in general and a topic that's common brought up frequently is progressive overload. Mm -hmm. And people have a misconception that progressive overload is continuing to increase weight over time. Because what it happens is the body is going to adapt to whatever stimulus you're providing. So you're going to have to lift heavier with better form to get that stimulus to actually grow. But in reality, it's not always just about titrating up in weight every week. Because if that happened, then we'd all be squatting 2,000 pounds, you know? 100%. So it's not like it's a steady progression like that. Like strength progression and muscle progression is not always perfectly linear. Mm -hmm. So what I always tell people, progressive overload goes way beyond just adding plates to the bar. Because you can look at different things like execution in general, your tempo, rep range. All that stuff is going to play a huge role in providing a new stimulus to the muscle that will elicit growth. And mm-hmm. that's that's way more than just, all right, let's add another plate on. Let's add a five-pound plate. Then the next day we're going to do a 10-pound plate. It's way more than that. It's kind of the execution in general. So when I have someone that's, let's say, genetically very strong on a barbell squat, let's say mm-hmm. they're comfortably squatting 495, but I look at their leg development, and maybe their leg development is subpar compared to their upper body, but they're still stupid strong from a low body standpoint. Mm -hmm. What I actually like to do with someone like that is break them down. So I break them down, focus on execution and form. So I might actually pull them down to even like 275 and still good habits. And then when those good habits are instilled from an execution and form standpoint, now we're in a position to focus more on progressive overload. Because if someone initially starts with a progressive overload style of training with bad execution, they're just going to be susceptible to injury. And it's like you can make good progress for six months to a year, but after that you're going to start having compensation and imbalances, and then you're going to be more susceptible to injury. And then we all know injury is going to put you out of the gym, resulting in 
nothing efficient about your training at all because yeah. you're not even able to lift. Or worse, people just work through it and they continue creating imbalances and compensations. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why coaching is so valuable. And I mm-hmm. think like, I think about the way a lot of people start, at least in like our generation of like getting into the gym, right? It was like starting strength and, you know, it was like all these basic kind of like strength building programs a lot of times, especially people that came from, you know, sports and high school and stuff. You're just following these very, I would say, basic programs that are hedged upon progressive overload and they're very numerical and it it doesn't take into account like non-measurable progress in the sense of Mm -hmm. like tempo and form and execution and, and things that really push the needle. So it's like, I feel like the stuff we're talking about is it's like what people start to get more interested in once they start realizing like, Hmm, my my progress isn't as linear as it was when I started this, Mm -hmm. you know? And so you have to start becoming more investigative and more, um, attentive to those other aspects of your training. We were talking about it earlier where it's like, you know, some people see the whole filming in the gym thing as being a little facetious and things like that. But, you know, just being able to see your form and just being able to see how you're executing a movement could be a huge game changer in terms of, you know, that level of awareness that you're bringing to a certain movement, you know, and Mm -hmm. and really creating a better mind-muscle connection to where you can, you know, progressively overload in the traditional numerical sense without getting injured and and all these other things. When we train, I it reminds me a lot of the RPE scale. Like, I can't remember who kind of came up with that methodology of measurement but i really like that style um because it's it's based off of you know your personal subjective opinion relative to your entire fitness journey you know like Mm -hmm. hey i'm at an rpa i think i have like two or three left in the tank before i'm going to failure you know so it's i think the more advanced you get the more awareness you have and the more you can kind of utilize these frameworks to you know continue creating progress or you know stimulating the muscle in a way that's a little bit different than just trying to keep it really binary in a thing that's just not. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like progressive overload is tried and true. It works extremely well. I just want to make sure people know that there's a different strategy to do progressive overload without just focusing on the aspect of weight. Cause you always want to focus on titrating up in weight, but you also want to instill the good habits as far as the intensity methods, the form, the execution overall within the movement. So it's creating a good foundation and then transitioning to progressive overload. Because if someone's like squatting and their form looks terrible, like why would I load weight on top of that? It's like the yeah. satisfaction of saying you're lifted heavier weight, but your legs are still small. It's like, where are we going with that? And like, how is that going to be beneficial? So that's why yeah. when I train with someone and I see that they're maybe pretty strong, but I don't see that they're like actively connecting, I'll like reduce the weight and still good habits, drive up from there. Because a progressive overload, like I mentioned, is just so much more than just adding weight. And that goes with a lot of things in life, I guess, because it's you look at people doing more and they associate that with being better. But in reality, it's like focus on the quality and then the quantity, whereas people just like to push out quantity and then it results in just poor. Yeah, it's like, are you doing it because you want other people to respect your work or are you doing it because you actually want to improve? You know, because like sometimes it's just the common saying, like sometimes you take a few steps back so you can take leaps and bounds forward. It's like taking a step back doesn't necessarily mean you're reverting back to anything previously. It just means you're literally taking a step back and observing like the bigger landscape so that you can make the best strategic decision moving forward, whether it's training or even other aspects of life. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I mean, I think it's extremely valuable. It's, and that's why I think, um, 
kind of conjugating too. You know, I'm a big proponent of conjugating your training style. You know, it's like you sometimes just switching things up and, you know, measuring progress in a different way allows you to kind of then come back to something that was creating results in a, you know, with fresh eyes and, you know, more enthusiasm because it can get kind of boring if you're literally just following programs. And I, you know, you find this a lot. It's, it's funny because as I, you know, I think as gym bros, you know, you meet a lot of people over the years and you work out with lots of different people. And I, I feel like for me, there's two categories of people when you lift with them, right? There's the people that are like, this is my plan and I have to follow it to this T. And like, if I come off of this plan, my workouts ruined, my days ruined. Like they're mm-hmm. very, let's say like the more type A, you know, yeah, m- you know, type of personality. And then there's people I feel like maybe more like you and me that are uh, whatever, like right brain, left brain, where we're just like, it's more based off feel. It's like, how do I feel doing this? Like, I, mm-hmm. you know, and neither is wrong or right, but it's just like, you know, I think there's value in both sides of, of that kind of training, you know, cause Absolutely. I find when I'm too rigid, I'm just like, well, what's the point? Just so I can feel good about the fact that I checked off everything that was on this to-do list on this thing, even though it wasn't actually optimal or, you know, effective. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. that's, that's what I think about a lot of times when I'm like training is like, there's like two very distinct types of people that train and, you know, I feel like most people naturally lean towards one over the other. Oh, absolutely. It's either one or the other. Absolutely. And what I see with a lot of people too, is like the ability to kind of be resilient. You have to be more experienced to do that because I can be, have a structured program written out, be following it. And then I get to a certain movement and maybe something feels off with one of my joints. Like maybe my knees feel just like they're super sore. My elbows feel sore. I feel like a pinching in my muscle. Like it just doesn't, I feel maybe not as hydrated as I should be. Mm-hmm. I have the ability to kind of like shift it and create an alternative movement. That's going to put me in a position where I'm not like susceptible to injury mm-hmm. because if you don't feel right on a day, you're trying to do a big compound lift. It's honestly much more in your favor to kind of shift into probably something that's back supported. So being able to do that and think on the fly and create a substitute is extremely beneficial because that type A person is just going to be like, it's written down. I have to execute. And regardless of how I feel, it's going to happen. Yeah. I think that's something that, you know, I remember moving from kind of being like a novice gym goer, gym bro, into someone that felt more advanced when I became more competitive and took things more serious. You know, you kind of switch that flip from saying like, okay, I need to be rigid with this structure versus like, okay, I actually need to be malleable with this in order to, you know, stay healthy and achieve results. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's hard to do that when you start out because, you know, you are usually following a program that someone's designed and you're looking and you aspire to be like, I'm just like, I just need to do this to the T. Like, you know, I can't compromise this. And I don't know. It's, it's interesting. There's so many different styles of training. And, and, um, what, what frustrates me more than anything is when people are really rigid and mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're closed minded to the fact that everybody is literally different. You know, it's Absolutely. like some people, you see them post things on Instagram or on their stories and it's like, they're so dead set. And you're just like, how are you so certain? I mean, I understand it works for you, but it's like that doesn't necessarily work for everyone, and that's not necessarily optimal for 99% of people. Like, you could just exactly. be an anomaly, you know? And it's funny, like, it's a lot of times the most opinionated people are the ones where you're like, do you not realize, like, you're kind of an anomaly, you know? Absolutely. It's just kind of funny when you observe that, like, especially on the social landscape. Absolutely, and that's why when someone's actually knowledgeable on a certain topic, when someone asks me a question... A lot of times my answer is, well, like, I need more information about you to give you an accurate answer that will actually benefit you. Because when yeah. you start saying, like, black and white stuff and the, anything related to the human body, 
it's almost like you're speaking in absolutes and that's just not true in any scenario. There's like generic advice I could give that will benefit a mass majority of the population. But if I'm just saying this is the best way, you gotta do this. Whereas when someone asks me a question about nutrition, it's like, I gotta like break it down. I gotta get all the information about them. If I'm gonna give them an answer that's gonna truly benefit them long-term. Mm -hmm. Cause you can give generic advice, like, you know, like get a gram of protein per pound of body weight. It'd probably benefit them and set them in the right direction. Cause they're probably eating a diet model that's extremely inefficient. So maybe doing that first step would be beneficial. But from a long-term standpoint, like you really need something catered to that individual if it's going to be productive in any way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like there's so much other context needed. It's like, well, what are your actual goals in terms of like how you want your fitness to apply to your actual life? You know, it's mm -hmm. one thing if like you just want to be jacked and have an amazing physique. But let's be honest, sometimes having an amazing physique isn't very conducive to being as athletic as possible in an, in an applicable sense, right? So mm -hmm. it, there's so, so much context needed when it comes. And I think kind of like what we were talking about the last few days, like I think that's really what trickles down into a lot of coaching. And, you know, I think it, what makes a great coach is someone that is so diverse in terms of their knowledge and experience, working with different types of people and athletes. And, you know, I think – when you have the context of working with all different kinds of people, mm -hmm. it's easier to see different connection points or ways to be innovative that if you're just like really like specific and, and specialized, it's harder to kind of move out of that because your, your um, success is like really related to a very specific lane. You know, mm -hmm. kind of you can kind of pigeonhole yourself a little bit if you get too overly specialized when it comes to coaching. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really just goes back to the whole thing about being catered to the individual. Because if you take a lifestyle client that owns multiple businesses, has extremely intensive tasks throughout the day, doing a six meals per day, eating at specific times on the clock, drinking over a gallon of water, it's not going to be sustainable. Because their life, I just structured a meal plan that their life has to be catered around this nutrition program. Mm -hmm. Whereas in reality, it's like they are in super high demand they're running multiple businesses. If I told them to do that, they'd look at it and be like, fuck that. Like, there's absolutely no way I'm going to adhere to this long term. Yeah. They could probably do it for two weeks, then they're going to shift back to old habits. So that's why catering it to that individual is so valuable because you want to create a program that's going to elicit the result they want. It's going to result in that physique that they desire, but it's also something they can achieve. And then five years from now, they'll still be having those good dietary habits, training habits. Versus if you try to, if you're so caught up on optimal all the time, it's going to truly prevent that person from adhering to it long-term. And that's something I initially battled with as in the coaching field is I would always be like, I want you to do what's best and it's going to be optimal. You're going to make progression at a much faster rate. But in reality, it's not optimal because certain individuals can't adhere to an extremely strict program like that from like a crazy meal frequency standpoint. Mm -hmm. So kind of taking a step back, looking at their lifestyle, catering it to that, there's so much more success for that individual and they find themselves enjoying it. And like the previous podcast, when you do genuinely enjoy something, your ability to adhere to it long-term is going to be there. And that's why when someone asks me, how long does it take to achieve a physique? I look at them and I like think in my head, I'm like, you already lost. Yeah. If you're asking for a deadline, it's like when someone comes here to the HQ, they look outside, they see a Bentley, they see a G-Wagon, they see a Lamborghini, all these cars. 
and they're like, how do I get these cars? How do I get these cars? And they're only thinking about the cars, mm -hmm. whereas in reality, we know the car wouldn't make them happy, just like achieving the physique isn't going to make you happy. Mm -hmm. It's really enjoying the process. So yeah. it's like waking up every day and doing what's necessary to get that car, to get that physique, whatever your desire is, the journey is what's going to make it more enjoyable. And that's like the same thing with health and fitness. If you 100%. wake up every day, you have a plan you enjoy adhering to. You're looking forward to the foods you're eating. You're looking forward to taking a walk outside. You're going to get into resistance training program catered to you. Like that's enjoyable. It's fun. Yeah. Like the progression is fun. So if you have that, you're going to have like a lifelong habit that is going to put you in the right direction mentally, physically. So that's why when you are a coach, you got to make sure you are catering it to that person to make sure they enjoy the process. Because if you're only focused on the end goal, like, I'm doing this show. I got to get this mm -hmm. title. It's like the title's awesome, but if you don't, yeah. if you don't enjoy the process, like every day leading up to that title, it's just not not going to be there. Yeah, it's like even when we're down there, it's like we have great workouts when everyone's here, but it's like you know, just yeah. down there, turn the lights off, and you and me getting after. It's like it wasn't the most intense or like ridiculous workout, like just to tire mm -hmm. ourselves out. It was just a fun workout, and it you know it was fun because we are both at a level and experience level in training where it's like, we could really push each other and like, you know, have a good time, take some pictures, like make some content out of it. And like mm -hmm. also have a really productive training session, you know? So it's Absolutely. like, you kind of, it's almost like I think of it a lot of times as like in martial arts, right? Like they have like the belt system where it's like you're a white belt and then you're, you know, whatever the system goes on from there. But it's like, there's kind of like an unspoken level of that in fitness. It's like you train with someone once and you know what belt level they're at, you know? Yeah. And it's like, what's, what's cool about this? Like I, I hadn't been in it, but it's like, I, it feels like riding a bike where I'm like, okay, yeah, I remember like, this is what it feels like to train correctly. Right. So it's like, when you kind of get into that a little bit more, it really is about the journey. Cause it's like, sometimes you need that. Sometimes you need that session where someone's really going to push you. And then sometimes you need a different type of training. That's going to kind of push you out of your comfort zone in a different way. And they're all beneficial really because the most important part is your mental relationship to what it is that you're doing, you yeah, know? And absolutely. I think that's what people can sometimes lose touch, touch with when they get too focused on the angle because they lose sight of like the, the, the benefits that are outside of just the, progress with your physique or mm -hmm. you know when your you know numbers if that's what you're focusing on from a strength standpoint etc so yeah and that's why like when you genuinely enjoy the process like when you get to that end goal it's not like you stop those habits yeah so it's like yes you achieve this awesome developed physique but when you get there it's not like you revert back to old habits that are that are not advantageous to having that physique mm -hmm. you obtain that physique and then maybe you you know you move on to the next goal it's not you don't get there and you're done it's the same thing with anything i guess business bodybuilding Mm -hmm. everything it's the process is what's truly going to drive you to continue moving forward just because the sheer fact you enjoy it yeah and that's what's so valuable and you do it with the music too it's like of course there's goals of like growing and putting yourself in a position to make a lot of money with it but you're probably looking forward to this evening going to the recording studio yeah like you probably got in your notes section of your phone right now you know lyrics written down for a song you're going to start and that's exciting 100 percent. yeah and then tomorrow you're going to do the same thing and it's just the repetition and eventually that will put you at a point where it you know it takes off but it's it's the love for the journey and we were we were talking about it down there i think i mentioned it when we were doing uh, the single arm curl right and you're mm -hmm. just we were doing that video and it was just like i think what's fun about that is it's just like you have to be diligent and structured enough to get to a point where you gain a level of awareness into the details, right? It's like when, when I talk about music, right? It's like just now after a year and a half, two years, am I starting to develop my ears enough to where I'm like, 
oh, I could improve this thing that I before just was completely oblivious to because I just didn't have enough reps in, right? When you get start getting those reps, you know, someone might watch that video that's more of a novice and be like, I don't even understand what they're doing open my torso up like what does that mean yeah right it's kind of like that in any sport it's like when you get the reps in that's where you really start to make big strides because you you're you can actually put a level of awareness and attention on the details because you've gotten so many reps of practicing some doing the whole thing the right way Mm -hmm. you know to where now you can start to add some modality to it and really create something like most people that are new to the gym might not understand how that is going to actually lead to more growth in your arms Even though it's a single arm curl, it's just the things that you're focusing on in terms of like having your torso out Mm -hmm. and not completely extending your bicep and like, you know, deloading a little bit. You bring that to someone that's just been training for like a handful of months or a year and they're going to be like, oh, like it's just kind of too much to think about when you're just like trying to fight through the reps and get a good set in. Right. When you're a little bit more experienced. You're like, man, just me, like like I was saying, right, you were like, that wouldn't be a good cue. And I was talking about how I let the dumbbell kind of roll up in, in my palm a little bit towards the end of it. It's like, for me personally, I'm like, that feels really good because I can feel it kind of just giving me a little bit more stretch, but not enough where I'm deloading it or taking any, or like changing the position of my elbow or anything like that. Yeah. And that's like, and that's like a um, sentiment that someone like you can appreciate because without you having to do it, you can know exactly, you could probably feel it from just like, visualizing what it is I'm talking about. Absolutely. And that really ties back into progressive overload because mm-hmm. it's only going to benefit someone that already has the good habits as far as an execution and form standpoint. So if you instill these really good habits and then shift into a progressive overload style of training, that's going to enable you to make awesome progress because if your form is off, you have disparities left and right, you have imbalances, trying to just load weight on the bar is not going to be beneficial for that individual by any means. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's so important to like, when you get into training and still good habits, and then from there build on top of it, it's just like having a good foundation of a house. Yeah. You build the foundation. If the foundation's super strong, building on top of that, you're going to have much more success versus just let's load weight on the bar and move the weight from point A to point B. It's truly moving with purpose, actively connecting with those muscles and focusing on other things beyond weight. And that's going to bust through the adaptation because progressive overload, the reason it works is because it's destroying the adaptation. Mm -hmm. So if I do the same thing every workout, my body's acclimated, it's used to it. There's no new stimulus there. Whereas if I'm changing my tempo, my execution's improving, and then I start to increase weight, that's where the adaptation is going to be no longer there. Because if Mm -hmm. I continue to just do the same thing day in and day out, my body's used to it. So that's like you go back to someone that's new to weight training and still the good habits and then focus on yeah. progressing. Well, something that is reminding me of like a concept in dog training a lot. I remember when, you know, I started training dogs and we'd do these boarding trains. It's like the dogs would come for two weeks, three weeks, you know, sometimes longer than that. And oftentimes, like the first few days, the dog is just crated. It's a ton of structure. It's like the dog's crated, come out pee, kind of like do some hand feeding and start building a little bit of a relationship. People are like, I'm paying you so much money. What do you mean my dog's in a crate for the first, you know, three, four days and with all this structure? Mm-hmm. And you know, I try to explain to them, I'm like, less is more, like, slow is fast sometimes, because it's like, like you're talking about related to the gym, if someone's learning something, and you're just adding weight to the bar, and they're so stressed out, and so like, you know, overwhelmed, because they're fixated on the weight on the bar, and how it feels, and it's shocking their systems, like, how in the hell are they going to have enough attentiveness to actually 
be aware of like what's going on with their body if they're just like, wow, this fucking hurts and it sucks and like I can't wait for this set to be over. It's mm-hmm. completely useless. It's so yeah. much better and so much more productive to start with a very simple movement, something very basic where it's so simple that you have no choice but to focus on all of the way that it feels and all the other things. It's the same with learning, right? It's like, how are you going to learn if your state is going back to the dogs? It's like, if a dog comes to my house and it's completely overwhelmed and anxious and like, you know, completely just like its world's just rocked, why would I go into trying to then teach it like how to be off leash or how to go on a loose leash walk? It's like, it's not in a state of mind to be able to have any enthusiasm or enjoyment in that, in doing and learning something. You know what I mean? Well, it's creating a baseline. Yeah. So I think it's like, that's the, that's the, the point is like when it comes to, you know, making progress, it's really important to, to have a humble attitude about it and be like, you know, less is going to be more for me because the slower I take this, the more I'm going to be able to put a level of awareness on the instilling these habits that are going to, you know, really benefit me in the long term. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. it's, it's oftentimes hard to do because it's just not sexy and not as fun and not as exciting. It's, you know, it's always fun when you start something new to kind of like share it and be excited about it. And sometimes I think in gym culture, people relate that to just like, sheer like look how much stronger I got you know look how much better I am than the week before and mm-hmm. it's like you know that's just a short-term sh- very short-sighted approach towards the overall journey especially when it comes to like how that impacts your health sometimes or injuries and things like we're talking about mm-hmm. and that's the thing I see so much within bodybuilding too especially competitive bodybuilding a lot of the reason people do not progress is because they're simply getting in their own way mm-hmm. if you always want to transition into a contest prep there's an adaptation of like you didn't consume enough food in the off season. Your baseline of food's not high enough. You didn't put on a substantial amount of muscle, but nope, you're going to do a show because you want to do that show. Where in reality, if you took the time off and then transitioned into doing a show, maybe the next season, that contest prep will be so much more enjoyable. You'll look better. It'll be a way more efficient process. So people need to realize the long game is the shortcut. Same mm-hmm. with going into the gym. If I lift a little bit heavier than I did last week, but my form is off and my shoulder hurts when I'm doing that pressing movement. There's nothing I truly accomplished there besides maybe saying I lift heavier weight, but what satisfaction am I going to get to impress people I don't even know by lifting heavier weight? What I want to do is put myself in a position to lift the weight with quality form. When I go into a dieting phase, I want to make sure when I transition into that phase, I am in a place that's conducive to doing that in an efficient fashion. That's not going to compromise my health. That's going to enable me to lose fat at a substantial rate. So it's taking that step back, creating a good baseline, and then transitioning from there. And that takes time. And by me saying it takes time, a lot of people are turned off by that. But if you're turned off by getting to your goal because it's going to take X amount of time, you just don't want it bad enough. Mm -hmm. It's like someone saying, I want to be a doctor, but I don't want to go to medical school. I'm like, well, you don't want to be a doctor. Yeah, but you don't want to be a doctor. Yeah, Exactly. (laughs) So it's like you don't want to just take the steps to do it. And that happens so much with many aspects of life, like – if I look at where my physique is now or my coaching, people don't realize like my coaching has grown substantially the past year, but I've been helping people for quite some time and it has been a lot of work and it's been a lot to like get people to understand that I know exactly what I'm talking about and I can help a lot of different individuals, mm-hmm. but it took a lot of time to get there, but I also enjoyed the process of doing so. Yeah. Well, the whole time, cause you knew you like, you enjoyed it. Right. And you, yeah. you would probably uh, like, you'd probably have some kind of, circumstance or predicament come up where you weren't sure and then you were like hmm this i want to actually understand this and it you know it fueled you forward yeah you know absolutely um 
to where like yeah to where you are where you are now but it, mm-hmm. once again it ties back into how you enjoy the journey of it and it, you weren't fixated on just solving the problem you're fixated on understanding like how to how to solve that problem yeah it's kind of getting to the root cause so to say yeah you weren't just trying to like find a remedy it's easy to find a remedy to a lot of things you know Absolutely. especially when it comes to like it's like we talked about even it's like i have these you know chronic back issues and it's like mm-hmm. it's easy to just not hit legs yeah. because it hurts mm-hmm. but the the real solution is like well why do they hurt which movements hurt and let's cut those and then let's based off the movements that hurt we're getting a good idea we're honing in more and more so on like why that's happening and then we can pick better movements and then who knows that might that even though we're not going as intense or heavy on legs once we dial in and find out what movements i can do for legs without you know hindering my overall mobility or whatever else and exacerbating thing i like my legs might get supercharged because then you just mm-hmm. double down on those but it just takes the patience and like you know the the time to really figure that out without just like getting fed up and being like fuck it i'm gonna deadlift and just like fight through this yeah, absolutely. That'd be really ignorant. <laughs> yeah, well, I can give you some perspective on that because you mentioned the back issues, mm-hmm. and I've had shoulder issues for probably the past two years. Mm-hmm. And what looking back at those shoulder issues, I remember going into the gym month after month and just being like, everything hurts. I'm not as strong as I used to be. I feel like my development's lacking. And I pushed through pain, which was, wasn't productive by mm-hmm. any means. I never recommend doing that because essentially what you're doing is picking a scab you're staying in the same movement patterns that got you to the position that you're in now. So it's not going to make things any better by trying to push through it. So what I did is I completely changed the way I trained and my approach to training. Maybe it's not as intense or I'm not lifting as heavy, but I catered it to my physique to where now I can actually go through a shoulder day and chest day. This is just as of recent that I can Mm -hmm. do this without pain. And that's been so rewarding. So instead of just focusing on what I used to be able to do, I catered the training to what I can do. And by focusing on what I can do and progressing within the movements with certain form and tempo that don't put strain on my anterior shoulder. Mm -hmm. That's been super enjoyable. Whereas so many people get into the mindset, it's like, oh, I can't do what I used to do. So it's pointless to even try. When in reality, it's just cater it to your specific issue. And then from there, you can still make awesome progress. So for you, there's a lot of different strategies we can set you set you up in to not have that tension on your back. And that's mm-hmm. going to be super rewarding in and of itself Yeah, just to be pain-free. Well, a hundred percent. And it's just even, even like, you know, like you're just saying, there's times where a Facebook memory pops up or there's some video of me hitting a PR. I'm like, man, I had this video pop the other day. I was pulling like 505 for just like, I don't know, 10, 12 reps. Like it was yeah. butter, moving like butter. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, I was on a lot of PDs at the time. I was, I looked amazing, but I'm like, for a second, I'm like, man, I I could get back to that. And then in my head, I'm like, me, this video is the reason why I'm hurt right now. Like this, Absolutely. this video is a cool video, but like the consequence of that is that I can't even fucking do, get under a barbell right now without like, you know, not be able to walk the next day properly. So, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I think and that's part of just growing up and getting more mature. You know, it's, it's really hard to tell anyone that's young to not do something, you know, because part of the growth is just falling flat on your face and eating shit and realizing like, all right, I'm, I'm a dumbass. Yeah. But you know, I think as we get older, it's just like, you got to resist those temptations more and more to try and, you know, yearn for the past and you got to live in the present and be like, well, that was great. But you know, I want to be doing this for the rest of my life. Cause I've been through times where like I couldn't train and my physique suffered. I'm like, man, I just don't mm-hmm. like the way I feel about myself. Yeah. So why risk, why risk being able to even do this? 
for, you know, that short-term gratification. And you see that even with, like, prolific bodybuilders. I mean, as prolific as even someone like Ronnie Coleman is, it's like, man, you can't, like, the dude can't really move that well anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's Absolutely. like, what what's the consequence of even being the best in the world if you can't move? Mm-hmm. Like, that can't be, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he is really happy. I'm like, man, I know me personally, if this was something I loved and now I can hardly do it, I would be really frustrated. And I would be, yeah. I would be very upset, you know. Yeah. At least initially. <laughs> so. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because you always like it. It's a progression of if you look at someone like Jay Cutler on the flip side, mm-hmm. he's older now. I think he's probably like late 40s, but he still looks incredible. When he goes into the gym, he still trains hard, but it's not at the capacity he used to lift. Because if he tried to lift how he used to when he was 25 or 30, I mean, he's just, it's not going to yeah, hold up. Yeah, he'd be going to Snap City. So that's why he catered his training to his specific age. He's not going for Olympia titles, but he still wants to hold a good physique. Mm-hmm. And by him putting himself in that position to go into the gym and still train hard, he's still doing that, but in a fashion that's not going to hurt his physique, which I respect. And now he's going to have, like, a lifetime success of looking better and achieving his goals just because quality of life is good. He's... Going into the gym, like I said, still pushing himself, but it's not to an extent that would compromise his, you know, joint integrity by any yeah, means. Yeah, his overall health. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. What What's, like, a time you can think of where you just failed really hard and it ended up leading you to, like, a long, more success in the long term? Like, I feel like we all have those moments in time, but, like, I, at least as a coach, like, what's a time where you kind of kind of validated this mindset that you have now or were forced to kind of adopt a different approach? Yeah, I would say the most valuable thing is really making mistakes myself, whether it's from nutrition standpoint, training standpoint, supplement standpoint. And a lot of people that are going through specific issues, whether it is something that has to do with training, injuries, supplementation, or nutrition, I've made so many mistakes myself. And what I like to do for people, of course, as a coach, I'm a problem solver, but I also like to prevent people from getting themselves into positions that are going to negatively impact them. Mm. So they, I like the quote, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Mm. And by instilling good habits and being wise, listening to someone that has made the same mistakes or wants you to prevent from making the same mistakes, I always say like a wise man learns from his mistakes, but a genius learns from others' mistakes. Mm. So by doing so, those people aren't going to have the nagging injuries. They're not going to have the gut health issues. They're not going to have the long-term internal health issues because of supplementation. There's a lot of things you can do along the road to instill good habits that are going to enable you to progress without ever having those health scares, injuries, digestive issues. So that way there's always like a more linear progression to being better physically and mentally Yeah. versus all the ebbs and flows. Of course, it's not always perfect, but it's definitely going to make it a much more smooth ride by having someone there that has made the same mistakes to prevent others from doing the same thing yeah i read this quote i want to pull up from the other day because i think you'll really like it um it was just on someone's instagram story but and i'm not like you know normally i'm like uh people just post so much bullshit but i read this i was mm-hmm. like damn that was i needed to see that where is this thing it had something to do with um i always appreciate when i see a good quote because i feel like on instagram most of the quotes are so yeah it was like just a screenshot of a screenshot of someone else like something they wrote down they were they were talking about um uh, it was like, if you constantly switch your defined principles, there's nothing to you, just a chaotic, random series of events, which is unpredictable, not trustable, and highly volatile. We are defined by the morals, principles, and defined values we stick to, not by the ones we stick to when we want to. And it's just such like a, mm-hmm. like such a strong point to make where it's just like, even within what we're talking, I think it relates to what we're talking about really well, where it's like, 
you have to define your principles and you can't just be wavering. And when you're talking about, you know, making your own mistakes, I, I would say my biggest one and the thing that held me back was probably just my nutrition. And it wasn't because I was doing anything detrimental. I just refused to accept like what would be more optimal. You know, mm-hmm. I think this is, I think we're finally moving out of like the, if it fits your macros phase, you know, that was like a huge yeah. phase that technically works, but the results are so variable based off of like someone's like awareness of like the reality of it, you know, yeah, people just absolutely. take it and they run with it so far, you mm-hmm. know, and especially when it was evangelized through social media, it's like, I remember, and I even see videos that pop up in my memories too. Where I'm like, I can't believe I ate that. I mean, I used to do this recipe Brooks where I would take like, a teaspoon of like xanthan gum, mm-hmm. throw it in a Vitamix with ice and a scoop of protein powder and like almond milk, and it would whip this fluff up. And like, I tell you what, I was full, but like, mm-hmm. dude, my insides must have been turned inside out. And I'm like, well, technically, I hit my macros. I'm like, why am I not seeing these results? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm hitting my numbers, and I'm da 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 da. And it's like, well, because I'm eating xanthan gum every night. Yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. Of course, I'm bloated and feel like crap. It's literally like not getting digested. I'm just putting glue in my stomach, basically. Absolutely. So it's like you got you got to kind of like be realistic with some of these different things that you hear. It's like sometimes those shortcuts just aren't. It's like they might have the veil of it, and you might get some results. But it's like if you're really trying to be great, like you know, you got to do the stuff that you know is in your best interest. That's not sexy and not fun. Like yeah, you know, absolutely. Just eating. And having, you know, self-discipline to not go and pick at stuff or need those snacks and things yeah. like that. So. And that's the thing with, like, macros in general is food just goes way beyond protein, fats, and carbs. Yeah, like, today, and to, like, the way I am today, I'm, like, I'm so much more aware of, like, what I eat. And sometimes I'm, like, I might be hungry. And I, I, I'll admit I'll, I need way more structure with my nutrition right now. But it's, like, mm-hmm. my food choices are way better because I'm just, like, I feel it. Way more. It could just be because I'm older. It's, like, my body's less forgiving when I eat something, you know, that's not good for me. Mm-hmm. But I'm, like, man. There's just certain stuff like I refuse to eat this, you yeah, know, because absolutely. it's just I know there's a consequence. It's going to make me feel bloated. It's going to mm-hmm. make me feel sluggish, tired. Mm-hmm. It's not worth it. Yeah, you know? it's absolutely. not worth it at all. So, yeah, and it's you really have to. Some people get used to feeling bad and it becomes their normal. So mm. they don't know what it feels like to feel actually good. And that's the issue sometimes with just a macro breakdown, where in reality, it's just so much more than the protein, fats, and carbs. So selecting specific micronutrient-dense food sources, you could eat a perfect macro catered to your goal and lose body fat, but maybe long-term, you could have a cascade of series of events that leads to like different gut health issues. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe you're preventing yourself from getting all the micronutrients you need within those foods because you're just consuming something as simple as egg whites, protein isolate, and that's your only protein sources. Whereas if you look at like something like salmon, red meat, different types of poultry, there's so much more that food offers than just, you know, protein and fats. So there's definitely like a strategic way of selecting food sources. And if it fits your macros, it's beneficial in the sense that it's going to set someone in the right direction. Mm -hmm. But if they're looking for optimized health and feeling really good, you have to realize the food selection is going to be so valuable. And if you're doing, if it fits your macros and you're frequently selecting food sources and you do run into something like digestive issues, it's hard to pinpoint that issue because you don't have really that like baseline to refer to. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I put someone on a structured nutrition program, there's some variety like as far as interchanging different food sources, but it's still specific. So like there could be three different options for a carb source, two different options for a protein source, and maybe two different options for the fat source within that meal. And if someone's like, hey, after the second meal, I tend to feel some bloating, gas, stomach irritation, whatever it might be, 
So I can kind of look to that meal and I can break it down. So that day, what did you consume in that meal? They tell me, and then maybe they say sweet potato, and because sweet potato is, has a higher fiber content versus most carbohydrate sources, mm-hmm. maybe they're just having an adverse reaction to that specific food source, whereas every day they're eating a different food. It's hard to pinpoint that specific digestive issue. So it's really mm-hmm. creating a good baseline to refer to, and that's going to prevent that individual from having digestive issues, which is huge because people don't realize like how valuable gut health truly is. It's yeah. going to impact so many different things that are going on with our body as far as like endocrine energy levels it's it's quality of life everything Mm -hmm. stems from gut health yeah i agree and i I think what's even more important i think part of the value of coaching is like having someone that's not trying to make decisions while they're also like the test subject you know and you know that especially not taking information from lots of different sources and trying to like frankenstein this solution together you Mm -hmm. know it's like it's really important, I think, when people work with coaches to just be committed to that to that person. Absolutely. You know? And if you really feel strongly that you're not that it's not the right thing, then that might not just be the coach for you. But yeah. I, it's, there's nothing less productive than trying to implement information from a variety of different sources simultaneously because of exactly what you just said. Then you've got all these conflicting variables that, and it just like you're completely not being productive. Mm-hmm. It's way better to just work with someone, realize it's not, you know, the best fit for you, and then just move on and then implement a different strategy. But mm-hmm. if you're just trying to simultaneously implement, oh, you've got all these variables, you can't pinpoint, just like with your gut health. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's something that's all too common is, like, people just constantly switching because it's it's not getting the results or the expectations that they have in their head aren't met in real life in the time frame that they expected. You know, mm-hmm. so it's, I think that's, like, the value of having a coach, and I think that, a lot of people should probably be investing in coaches before they invest in supplements and all the the things that are, you know, supposed to get you there faster. You know, I think good Mm -hmm. coaching and investing in people that have been there and have a wide breadth of experience is probably the best utilization of resources towards your goals versus just like, you know, yeah, getting the next supplement or the next thing, the next horny deer antler or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, it is last year and this year. And I mean, I remember raspberry ketones. It's, it's just always something new, but what's tried and true is like having someone in your corner. It's like, I've been there, I've seen this and I, and I have some potential solutions and we're going to measure the progress of. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And that's why coaching is so valuable because you're essentially paying someone to ensure you're not in the same position you are now six months from now. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, why would you not spend money to, prevent yourself from remaining stagnant. You mm-hmm. want to always be progressing from a health standpoint, a physique standpoint, mental health standpoint, and that's just truly, like, it's priceless, really. Yeah. So by doing so is why investing in someone that has the knowledge to do so is so important. Yeah, absolutely. And it goes for fitness. It goes for, you know, the, the, it goes both ways. Like, you, you've been getting me back, like, in shape and all that stuff, mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, I, today I hand you a camera. I'm like, this is how you take a picture. You yeah. know, this, this yeah, is how exactly. it works. You know, here, we're doing podcasts. So it's like mm-hmm. it goes in all different kinds of ways. But I think, like, you know, sometimes not always a formalized, you're my coach, but it's like, you know, being open-minded and, and learning from people and, you know, I think it's, like, the most valuable thing that you can do with your time and resources and things like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Lots of good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I enjoyed it. Yeah, we covered some good topics. Yeah, that was good. So uh, you guys need to go and DM Brooks and uh, keep encouraging him to do more podcasts. And, you know, we've had some ideas swimming around in terms of um, just, like, 
what more we could do to have a positive impact on on people around us and especially people that kind of share a lot of the same interests that that we have um you know we've got some cool stuff that we've been doing here at the damn good brands hq and um yeah i know i can say personally i feel just so much better you know it, it was tough for me i'm gonna be honest like starting i, I had like I've been solo dolo for so long, just like working mm-hmm. with myself and just like being a solopreneur and just kind of being in my own lane that it was pretty challenging at first to start coming and showing up somewhere, you know, early in the morning, like mm-hmm. not on my time necessarily. But it's weird, like, because when we started getting more structured and training again, it's just like reminded me that's like this isn't what I want to do, but like this actually is what I should be doing because like the structure of showing up early like sets me up for success and it trickles down to everything else. And it's just like, Mm -hmm. that's where the progress happens. You know, it's so easy to like get out of those habits and just fly by the seat of your pants and Mm -hmm. then look back and be like, where did the time go? Yeah, absolutely. But it's like, we're in here every day doing it and Mm -hmm. I feel so much better now. It's like, I'm so much more aware of the changes because I'm like, well, I'm doing the same thing. So I feel off. Like, why, why is that? It's much easier to look at and be like, well, it's because I didn't eat or I had too much caffeine or, you know, whatever it might be on any particular day. But yeah, it's um, like the structure and consistency is what you're going to thrive. on. Yeah. So all that to say, we've got some good things brewing. I'm grateful for you and uh, I'm looking forward to all the, all the future progress. Absolutely. We're we're almost back. We're almost back there. It's going to be a good time, man. It's going to be a really good time. Yeah. Once you get that dialed in, your physique will change. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, exactly. And seeing that will be a good time. It'll be a great time. So, alrighty, till next time.